Welcome to Spiritual Awakening Radio. My name is James Bean, with you every week at this time, presenting an exploration of the world of spirituality, comparative religion, world scriptures, spiritual classics, and other books that matter, East and West, about God, meditation, near-death experiences, or soul travel, the vegan diet, and other ahimsa ethics, education for a more peaceful planet, a spiritual gathering or satsang without walls, streaming online, broadcasting worldwide. Thanks for joining me today. Today's program is program 525. It's no easy thing. Creating your own radio show, you have to have a mixing board, microphones, other electronic devices, a computer, and not just any old computer, but a fairly decent computer, pretty high-tech end of uh, the spectrum, and software and editing, and so it's no easy thing to, to be a broadcaster, to have your own studio. There's a lot of research that has gone into this program based on years of meditation, attending satsangs and spiritual retreats and collecting books from around the world that are almost impossible to get, writing articles that sometimes get published in magazines, blogging online, being a writer, contributing to various sites. And here we are. Today's program is titled Ingredients of a Living Spiritual Path. Welcome to Spiritual Awakening. What are those ingredients we shall explore today? Living masters, number one. Living masters or teachers with students. Past masters, scrolls, cuneiform tablets, or old scriptures are just not enough. A living guide is required. A kind of spiritual Sherpa guide up the spiritual mountain, if you will. Two, a cosmology of several heavens, sometimes called spheres, planes, or inner regions, various heavenly realms, or other dimensions, is part of the cosmology of the living mystic path. Three, an understanding that souls can access these realms here and now during this present life, heavens not just for dead people. In other words, a present tense kingdom of heaven available to souls right now, not a spirituality that's postponed till some magical date on the calendar or hypothesized future age. Talk is cheap, and everyone has theories about the future. Hey, what about the present tense? That's where we are. That's what we can touch during this life. For an initiation into the mysteries of the kingdom of the heavens, imparting to spiritual seekers the meditation techniques and sacred names required to get there from here, right now. 5. Visionary and auditory mysticism, inner light and sound, transcendental hearing or seeing, spiritual senses, spiritual seeing and, heaven, and heavenly uh, descriptions, 
descriptions of souls traveling within through various inner regions, exploring these regions, uh, even formulating a kind of consensus about what these inner regions of inner space are like. Dark voids here, bright lights there, a tunnel here, suns here, moons there, stars at another level. Actual consensus based on many centuries of human beings exploring these realms. Six, mystic paths have an ethical code, and this ethical foundation, or ahimsa foundation, includes a vegetarian diet. And finally, seven, because everything ends with a seven, right? Seven is a big number usually. The seven steps, the seven seals, the seven this, the seven that. Seven is a nice number. Always a nice number to end with. The seventh day is the Sabbath, the Sabbath rest, spiritual day of the week. A kind of retreat from the world to enter into a kind of spiritual retreat. Uh, Number seven, the goal of the teachings and the meditation practice is experiencing direct union with God. That's the goal. The goal is not the astral plane. The goal is not to connect with angelic beings on a lower realm someplace. The goal of the teachings and meditation practice is experiencing direct union with God in the highest of these realms beyond the world of time, beyond the world of forms, beyond realms of lights and sounds. Ingredients of a Living Spiritual Path Today, program number 525 on Spiritual Awakening. Rumi says, Don't be satisfied with stories, how things have gone with others. Unfold your own myth. Indeed, as wonderful as it is to uh, explore what others have done in the past, and that is kind of necessary, really. We all have to start somewhere. Uh, And to to have our horizons expanded, to know what truly is possible. But at some point, we have to go from theory to practice, and we have to have our own experience. We can read stories about how people in the Middle Ages had wonderful meals, but we cannot satisfy our hunger by reading and learning of their banquets long ago, you know. So we have to have our own direct experience in this generation, in this time period. As wonderful as uh, things were in previous golden ages of uh, miracles and amazing things going on and uh, sitting at the feet of the Buddha, Christ, uh, Krishna, or, or some other figure, we have to figure out a way to get to the Bodhi tree here and now in, in this generation, at this time, our time. With a living mystic path, initiation into the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven includes inner direct seeing and hearing. If we can't see or hear, how could we possibly begin exploring inner space for ourselves? The information written in restaurant menus might be informative and yet cannot resolve one's hunger. And tales of sacred texts of people who once enjoyed glorious feasts centuries ago do not feed the living. When we see darkness with our eyes closed, we are in the realm of death and rebirth or reincarnation. We are unaware of our true nature. We are unaware of our original nature. 
when we come out of the realm of darkness and enter into the realm of light, we are at the same time transcending the web of death. It is not possible that we can remain in darkness and be free of the net of reincarnation, the birth process and death process. Having achieved inner light, we can be liberated from the cycle of birth and death. That's a passage from Swami Sant Seviji Maharaj from his book, Harmony of All Religions, which has chapters on Christianity, Buddhism, a wonderful chapter on Jainism, which hardly anyone, even Morton Smith, I mean, I, I mean, so, so, uh, so few people have talked about it. Uh, Jainism is a, a religion that gets, uh, neglected. I meant to say Houston Smith, you know, the, the scholar of comparative religion who has, uh, books on, on, uh, world religions. Morton Smith, I believe he was the guy that came up with um, a translation of the secret gospel of Mark, a different Smith, and in, another interesting person, by the way. But Houston Smith uh, did books uh, about uh, various world religions, chapters on Christianity, Sikhism, Hinduism, but no Jainism. And this book, The Harmony of All Religions, actually has a wonderful chapter on Jainism, and that's because uh, the author, his birth name was Mahavira, named after the great saint of Jainism, Lord Mahavira. And of course, his guru name became Swami Sant Seviji Maharaj. And so he personally grew up in the world of Jainism and has a wonderful chapter on Jainism and the mysticism of Jainism, a rare thing to read about uh, in the book, The Harmony of All Religions. And I actually have a copy of that book online. You can read for free send me an email and I can send you a link to this book or even send you a PDF file uh, of uh, some of the chapters of this book. Uh, my email address is james at spiritualawakeningradio.com or text message me at 508-603-9381 508-603-9381 and I'll send you the links to Harmony of All Religions. In the Corpus Hermeticum and Nag Hammadi scriptures or Gnostic Gospels are or were described all of the ingredients of a living, viable, mystic path. Number one, living masters or teachers with students, past masters, scrolls, cuneiform tablets written, you know, before Abraham in Babylon long ago, apparently not good enough. Apparently there needed to be more after those things were written for humanity to be benefited. Old scriptures are not enough and never are. We need a living guide, a living spiritual guide, someone who is the embodiment of enlightenment, someone who is the embodiment of enlightenment to show us the way that we too as human beings can be enlightened. Otherwise, we might get something wrong. And as anti-master, as Christianity is portrayed, and especially in the Western world, you know, if you look in the New Testament, you know, St. Paul says, uh, uh, he's like instructing uh, some people he uh, is writing a letter to. But then he says he's going to come to them and visit them in person and help uh, straighten out some misconceptions they had. So, uh, from his perspective, writing a letter which people interpret or misinterpret or get some of but not get the rest of, uh, was a real issue, and he was going to be a living teacher and show up in person and, 
and straighten things out there in uh, Corinth. So, so that's true in the West as well as the East, this need for a living guide so that everyone gets the full picture and not just misinterprets texts written ages ago. Rumi says, If you seek to know God, sit at the feet of the saints. This is a passage from the Corpus Hermeticum, speaking of ancient texts, but it's about the subject of finding a teacher, a living teacher. This is really essentially the gospel of the Corpus Hermeticum of Hermes Trismegistus. This paragraph kind of sums up the whole spiritual journey from any perspective, east and west. This is really uh, quite good at describing the human condition, the dilemma, and the goal, how to make spiritual progress in a world of illusion or maya or a matrix of, uh, of Im- imperfect uh, information or lack of knowledge. People, where are you rushing? So intoxicated and having so fully drunk the strong wine of reasoning unaccompanied by gnosis or acquaintance. You cannot hold it. Already you are about to throw it up. Stop. Get sober. Look up with the eyes of your soul, your heart. And if you cannot all do so, at least those of you who can. For the imperfection that comes from unacquaintance or lack of gnosis, lack of spiritual knowledge, is flooding the entire earth, corrupting the soul along with the body that encloses it and preventing it from putting in at the haven of safety. So do not all be swept away by the main current. Rather, you who can must avail yourselves of a countercurrent. Take to the haven of safety, put in there, and look for a leader to show you the way to the doors of gnosis, the doors of acquaintance or spiritual knowledge where there is bright light, pure from darkness, where no one is intoxicated, but all are sober, fixing their eyes on that being who wills to be seen, but mentally with the eye of the soul, for that being cannot be heard or told of or seen by physical eyes, only by the mind's eye, the eye of the soul. Corpus Hermeticum, Hermes Trismegistus, summing up the spiritual path pretty much universally, east and west, that pretty much says it all right there. And I like the uh, the sailing metaphor, putting in, you know, at the haven of safety, you know, uh, not being swept away off into the ocean of samsara, the world of changes, but finding some safe, peaceful place and searching for a living guide. Hermetic Tractate 7, Corpus Hermeticum, The Greatest Human Evil is Unacquaintance with God, translated by Bentley Layton in his book The Gnostic Scriptures. Sacred books falling from the sky did not create the world religions. Before there was the book, there was the author of the book. Without living teachers, there would have never been a Torah, no noble truths, no eightfold path, no Sermon on the Mount, no golden rule or Gospel of Thomas, 
No surahs of the Quran, no ahimsa message of Lord Mahavira of Jainism. No sages to compose the Upanishads, no Krishna and Bhagavad Gita. No Japji or morning prayer of Guru Nanak, no Daudi Jang of Lao Tzu. No golden verses of Pythagoras, if there was no master by the name of Shams of Tabriz, there would have never been a disciple by the name of Rumi. If there was no Swamiji, no Tukaram, no Tulsi Sahib, no Dadu, no Ravi Das, no Mirabai, no Sawan Singh, no Guru Kabir, no Darya Sahib, no living masters, there would be no path of the masters, no students, no initiates, no satsangs to attend, no school of spirituality, no clear and organized system of meditation practice to be initiated into, nobody to give the initiation, no one to expand anyone's horizons and awareness, no one following the path to be an example, to show others the way or to help by sitting in front of other people and meditating with them to help jumpstart their own inner perceptions of the beyond. When you meditate with a great soul, you you automatically, there's kind of an, an energy in the room where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in their midst. When you meditate at the feet of the master, that gives you a kind of a jumpstart or head start. It opens up your own inner seeing and hearing just by being near them or even other satsangis, other initiates on the path, or even a phone call, uh, Skype with them. You know, uh, it just seems to, there seems to be, when, whenever you connect with other souls, uh, the realms uh, that they have explored become easier for you to also explore. That's the principle of satsang, gathering together, meditating together. Uh, there's just something about that that opens doors more quickly, more easily to the worlds of within. The essential reason for having a spiritual teacher is not to worship the personality of the teacher, but to learn from them the methods of spiritual practice. The living teacher preserves the methods of meditation and passes that knowledge and experience on to the next generation. A good spiritual master also motivates his or her students to practice meditation and lead an ethical life in the context of a spiritual community or satsang. Books alone, isolated from a community of others, would not be enough to sustain or motivate one to keep up with spiritual practice or cultivate inner mystical experiences. Satsang inspires, teaches, motivates, and group meditation helps to accelerate one's own inner experience, especially uh, if the goal of the meditation is inner light and sound. Meditating with others who also uh, experience inner light and sound, it just opens up that darkness and that silence more quickly. It's kind of magical. There's a kind of morphic resonance or energy going on, spiritual charge, call it what you will. Kind of magical. It's a principle practiced in India for millennia getting together with others and meditating as a group. Especially in the morning, the ashram opens up at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. and people gather together for the morning meditation at the ashram. Coming up after the break, more ingredients of a living 
spiritual path. The name of the program is Spiritual Awakening Radio. My name is James Bean. Stay tuned for more after these messages. Spiritual Awakening Radio continues. This week's program is titled Ingredients of a Living Spiritual Path. I continue to be focused on point number one, the need for a living spiritual guide, a living teacher, living master or satguru, who is the embodiment of the teaching. In each generation, in each century, going all the way back to 2400 or so BC, there have been in the world living schools of spirituality headed by living teachers here and there, east and west, and in the the Middle East between. The catch is to find one here and now in the 21st century, and that's not an easy thing to do. I looked in the yellow pages for the church of Meister Eckhart at the corner of Maine and Union, but it wasn't there. I looked for the church of the Gnostics, but I couldn't find it. It's not an easy thing. It might not be found in the yellow pages. You might not find it driving around your city. You might not see a a sign on some lawn saying the living school of spirituality. It's not an easy thing to find, but you can. It does exist, and always has existed in each generation, in each century. Not all saints are dead. When it comes to spirituality, there are two basic approaches that most have. The most common one is finding a book on spirituality. Many begin learning about spiritual things this way. They begin the learning process this way. Of course, rather than the pursuit of knowledge leading to mystical experiences, it could be the other way around for some. One may begin their spiritual search as a result of something acting as a catalyst. People may begin seeking answers as a result of having some kind of experience that opens them up to new possibilities, a mystical experience, some kind of insight or near-death experience, something they can't explain that opens them up to the spiritual journey. In any case, most with a spiritual curiosity may get ideas from certain books, perhaps a book from a popular author. This could be described as an eclectic do-it-yourself spirituality. One is not necessarily tethered to any specific path, 
tradition or direction, just some of this and some of that. Most of us begin this way. There is, however, another approach. Some go from being an eclectic spiritual seeker, perpetually in seek mode, to someone who has found a certain path or a contemporary spiritual teacher or movement they resonate with that feeds their soul like none other thus far in their experience in this world. One may join a living school of spirituality, a mystic order or lineage. Perhaps this lineage or path has been in existence for many centuries. One may find that the wisdom of mystic paths such as Kabbalah, Sufism, or Saint-Mat is not solely based on ancient scriptures, scrolls, or holy parchments from the past, with a focus of always looking back to an earlier time of prophets and saints, a kind of golden age that's expired now, that used to exist, great things happened back then. That mentality, like we usually find in the mainstream exoteric religions, rather What's especially noteworthy about living mystic paths is they may have living Buddhas, living Christs, living Rumis, living Hildegard of Bingens, living Kabirs, some kind of living master or Meister Eckhart, a living one, a living mystic or saint with us now here on terra firma in the 21st century. So not always about looking back to an earlier time in the 7th century or the 1st century or the 10th century BC, but in the century we are in, our time, right now. Living students have living teachers. For it is the ability to truly listen that gives birth to an awareness of a message and an appreciation of a messenger. An infinite God could never have a limited number of inspired words, or be forever bound by bookbinders. If there is no inspiration now, how could there ever been any inspiration in days gone by? There is also no missing element or trace mineral once present in the water supply during the Middle Ages or earlier times but now gone that once caused the appearance of enlightened prophets and saints and accounts for their absence now. What was true then is true now. The same need that brought great souls into the world during past centuries is still with us. My experience and belief is that the age of prophets and apostles, masters or saints is still with us that there are living Christs, living Buddhas. There is a living Gnosis now. There are living Masters in the world today. The reality and not the illusion of having a Guru begins here with this openness to the possibility of living ones now. Now it's no easy thing to find such a teacher it's always good if you're interested in exploring a certain path that you're drawn to to get background information on that teacher to get to know them well and who was their teacher and who was that person's teacher it's good to get acquainted to not jump in immediately but it is possible to find people you do trust that you do resonate with there have always been 
living masters, living schools of spirituality, some Bodhi tree that a great teacher is close to and is surrounded by a circle of disciples, whether it's in the 21st century or BC times or the Middle Ages, there always have been a few living masters with living students. Stay tuned for more Spiritual Awakening Radio coming up. classical ragas provided to this program by Paul Alexander John, a Maine-based artist who plays the Indian Bansuri, bamboo flute, along with other musicians. Indian classical ragas, and some very good ones too, very complex ones. Ingredients of a living spiritual path this week on Spiritual Awakening Radio. Number one was about finding a living teacher Two, a cosmology, a belief in the existence of several heavens, dimensions, inner regions, planes, or spheres, the inner regions, the heavenly realms. Blessed are those chosen and unified. The realm of the kingdom is theirs, for out of her you have come, and back to her you are returning." That's saying 49 of the Gospel of Thomas, a translation by Lynn Bauman called Wisdom of the Twin, one of my favorite translations of the Gospel of Thomas, a collection of the sayings of Jesus, once studied by a more esoteric or contemplative form of Christianity that had access to the original Q document or collection of the sayings of Jesus. Blessed are those chosen and unified, The realm of the kingdom is theirs, for out of her you have come, and back to her you are returning. Masters and mystics have found it useful to compare out-of-body or extension uh, into the heavenly realms, the ascension journey, to the stripping or shedding of garments. Their understanding is that each soul on the earth plane is wearing several subtle bodies or garments. We are souls wearing subtle bodies or coverings, koshas is another term for them. Our physical body is made out of the material substance of the physical universe. We are, as the late Dr. Carl Sagan put it, star stuff, pondering star stuff. Our bodies are made out of atoms that once came from stars in the cosmos. When we enter into contemplation and mystical states, our awareness is elsewhere. We become dead to the world or dead to the universe. We have risen above 
body consciousness. In that sense, we have for the duration of our meditation period stripped ourselves of the garment of the body for the purpose of exploring other levels of our existence. The mystic traveler enters into what has been called the fourth state of consciousness. In addition to the waking state, the dream state, the unconscious state of deep sleep, the truly holistic explorer can also integrate into his or her experience the spiritual worlds by way of meditation. Mysticism teaches that there are many layers of reality, that there are other garments that will eventually be shed during journeys of ascension. These garments or subtle bodies have been given names in Hebrew, Greek, Coptic, Syriac, Arabic, Persian, Hindi, Gurmukhi, or Punjabi, and other languages. In addition to the garment of the physical body, each soul is wearing several other garments, other bodies or sheaths that surround the soul, allowing the soul to connect or interact with various regions of creation. Counting the physical plane as level one, level two is called by many the astral plane, made of astral stuff, astral substance, existing at a different vibration in the astral region. Level three is the causal body, made of causal or akashic substance, inhabiting the causal plane. Level four is the mental body, made of mind substance, mind stuff, and is part of the mental plane. The etheric body, or level five, allows the soul to access that realm. Above these worlds of mind and matter, the soul resides in the timeless spiritual realm of truth, or hawk. Metaphysically speaking, we're already in heaven. We just don't know it. The Sufi poet Fakiruddin Iraqi once said, By day I praised you, but never knew it. By night slept with you without realizing, fancying myself to be myself, but no, I was you, and never knew it. Luckily for us slumbering souls, there are always a few Moses types in the world, freeing those yearning for a real promised land, an occasional Rumi an occasional living Rumi or Shams of Tabriz here and there, sharing their secrets about the soul. Rumi once said, With every breath, the sound of love surrounds us, and we are bound for the depths of space without distraction. Out beyond duality we have a home, and it is majesty. That pure substance is different from this dusty world. We once came down. Soon, we'll return. The kingdom of the heavens are within us and available not in a place we can't reach called the future, but here in this present moment. As we close our eyes and meditate, we begin this journey past the darkness into a kind of tunnel that goes from darkness to ever brighter and brighter light. Number three, an understanding that souls can access these realms here and now during this present life is central 
to the mystic path, a present tense kingdom of heaven, as I mentioned, available to souls right now. Not a spirituality postponed till some magical date on the calendar rolls round, some quatrain of Nostradamus kicking in sometime in our lifetime in a decade or two. Not a hypothesized future age, but a present tense spirituality that we can enter into here and now. After the break, I will delve into this question of the present tense spirituality available in this moment. You're hearing Spiritual Awakening Radio. Stay tuned. James Bean with you every week exploring the world of spirituality, comparative religion, mysticism, meditation, and books. My website is spiritualawakeningradio.com. At my website is a donate button, are other buttons leading to blogs, articles, podcasts that you can download, social media for daily spiritual quotes at Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, I'm at all of those sites, and many other sites besides. SpiritualAwakeningRadio.com My email address is james at SpiritualAwakeningRadio.com You can leave a text message at 508-603-9381 508-603-9381 Ingredients of a living, viable spiritual path is the focus on this week's Spiritual Awakening Radio. Point number three, an understanding that souls can access the heavenly realms here and now during this present life. Heaven's not just for dead people. A present tense kingdom of God is the only one we can interact with. We can't interact with a future kingdom of God any more than we can have breakfast in the future. We can only have breakfast in the present tense that we live in. We are creatures of the present tense. That's who we are. In this life, the concept of salvation all describe. To meet the Lord by dying while living, none discloses. They all speak of the goal of salvation after death. How to attain it while living, no one says. Were they to reveal the method of attaining release while living, then alone would Tulsi be convinced of their words, who speak after seeing with their own eyes and teach the method of salvation during life, are at the stage and stature of saints, for they reveal the quintessence of the soul. A poem by Sant Tulsi Sahib of Hathras, India. Seek to see God now. Liberation during this life. Four, an initiation into the mysteries of the heavens. And this really is the same thing as point number three, how to get there from here. The initiation into the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven by a living teacher is all about imparting to spiritual seekers the meditation techniques and sacred names, as it says in the 
Lynn Bauman translation of the Gospel of Thomas, Wisdom of the Twin, saying 17 of the Gospel of Thomas. The Master said, What your own eyes cannot see, your human ears do not hear, your physical hands cannot touch, and what is inconceivable to the human mind, that I will give to you. That's what the Master does. That's who the Master is. There are things we can learn to see with spiritual eyes and hear with spiritual ears, or the third ear as well as the third eye, if you will. Other realms we can touch with another kind of touch or perception. And what seems impossible to the human mind, that's the reality that lies ahead. It's almost like the whole universe is within us. Oh yeah, oh wait, it is. Five, visionary and auditory mysticism, inner light and sound, transcendental seeing and hearing, descriptions of souls traveling through the various inner regions. That's very central to the path of mystics and always has been. You know, if you read Kabbalah or Sufi mystics or the Gnostic Gospels or some Neoplatonists, Plotinus or Plotinus, you know, the journey back to the one It's all about this ascension of the soul and this initiation and the soul having these uh, mantras or passwords to ascend through heaven number one, heaven number two, heaven number three. Man's soul shall become, when it leaveth the body, a great flood of light, so as to traverse all the regions until it cometh into the kingdom of mystery. Seek all of you after the light, so that the power of your soul that is in you may find life. Do not seek, do not cease seeking, rather. Do not cease seeking day or night until you find the mysteries of the kingdom of light, which will purify you, transform you into pure light, and guide you into the kingdom of the light, the gospel of faith wisdom, the book of Pistis Sophia. Look at God within yourself, how God is light, for his nature is a glorious, many-splendored light. He manifests his light to those who love him in all the worlds. Said a great mystic from Syria by the name of John of Delyatha. When your eyes turn inwards in the brain and you see the firmament within and your spirit leaves the body and rises upwards, you will see the akash in which is located the thousand-petaled lotus, of which perform the various functions pertaining to the three lower worlds. Its effulgence will exhilarate your spirit, said Swamiji Maharaj. Point number six. Mystics have an ethical code of ahimsa. If you have peace on the outside, it may be easier to meditate and find peace on the inside. And if you have peace on the inside, the ethical values the soul will choose once it's in control are also going to be begetting peace. And this ethical foundation of ahimsa and peace includes a vegetarian diet in all centuries. The light mystics are the vegetarians of the centuries, of the ages, the Manichaeans, the Gnostics, the Sants, the Sufis who travel beyond. 
And seven, the goal of these teachings and meditation practice is experiencing direct union with God. Within this body breathes the secret essence. Within this body beats the heart of the Vedas. Within this body shines the entire universe. So the saints proclaim. Hermits, ascetic celibates, all are lost, seeking him in endless guises. Seers and sages perfectly parrot the scriptures and holy books, blinded by knowledge. Their pilgrimage and fasting and striving but delude. Despite their perfect practice, they discover no destination. Only the saints who know the body's heart have attained the ultimate, O Tulsi. Realize this, and you found your freedom. While teachers trapped in tradition know only the mirage in the mirror. Mystic Verses of Tulsi Sahib of Hathras, India. <laughs> 